Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Good morning. Uh, Thanks to the elders for entrusting me. Uh, We are in a four-week series entitled Faithful, uh, speaking about the goodness of God in the area of finances. And uh, Steve preached the last two weeks with God is our courage and God is our peace. And I want to continue along the same line with uh, God is our priority But I want to shift the focus from the money that we make, finances, to the place where we make it, the workplace. Um, I remember Terry Kruger saying once, the grass is greener where you water it. And I'm trusting this morning that something would be activated in us. In my preparation, I felt like there are some sleeping giants among us, and God's word over you would be arise and shine, for my light has come. I'm trusting that our workplaces would be transformed to become fruitful gardens. Why? Because you are there and you have a purpose. And it's not just a purpose, but it's your purpose because you've taken ownership of it. God is our priority and we are his prize. And when we know our position in him, what we do is an extension of who we are. And who we are is sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. This gives us each a new purpose, which radically impacts our productivity and effectiveness in the workplace. Now, most of us will never have a nice, cushy job like James Lusk working at a church without a worry in the world. Most of us will hit the ground running on a Monday morning. I had to, buddy. Sorry. Most of us will hit the ground on a a Monday morning to crank out over 40 hours a week in the workplace. This is what Gallup has to say in their 2013 State of the American Workplace report. 70% of U.S. employees are either not engaged or actively disengaged at work. Put more simply, most of us hate our jobs. According to Gallup, 30% of U.S. employees are engaged at work, which the polling organization defines as those who are involved in enthusiastic about and committed to their work and contribute to their organization in a positive manner. The other two people are emotionally disconnected from their workplaces, making them much less likely to be productive. 52% of employees say they are basically checked out at work, and 18% say they are so unhappy they're actually acting out their unhappiness in the workplace. Every day, these workers undermine what their engaged co-workers accomplish, Gallup's report says. And tied to employee disengagement is a profound lack of purpose uh, from employees. When asked about the meaning of their work, research has revealed that most professionals can't answer the question or the answer is vague or tied to money. Studies have also revealed a host of mental and physical illness tied to a lack of meaning and purpose in the workplace. Now all of this goes completely against what we see in God. God is extremely intentional. God is love, and out of his identity, he spoke life into being. So everything that God does is an extension of who he is. And in love, God created man. And man was God's crowning masterpiece. And because of that, man was made in God's image. In the image of God, man was made. And God's original intent, his design for man, was that man would co-labor with him. And man was given God's identity and his purpose, 
and the privilege of intimacy and communion with him whilst co-laboring with him. Think of this as a business deal. Man gets brought into the most amazing partnership and gets given the most incredible mandate to advance the kingdom, to take dominion, and to multiply. It was a fruitful garden which was supposed to grow and grow and grow to cover the whole earth. There was just one rule in the partnership. And so we know what happened. Man ate the tree, sin came in and cut man off from God, and it was prophesied then that the serpent's head would be crushed, but man would have to work independent of God by the sweat of his brow. It says the Lord God banished man from the garden to work the ground from which he had been taken, Genesis 3.23. And this word evil has its root in the word diablos, which means to separate. And so man in his rebellion was cut off and separated from the privilege of collaborating with the Creator. Sin is anything that separates us from our original design of co-laboring with God. But into this separation, into the chaos of sin and shame, appeared the only one righteous, not born of the corrupted bloodline of fallen man, but, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. And in the most dramatic display of love, In the history of mankind, Jesus Christ hung on the tree and redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become something again, the righteousness of God, and with that free gift, redemption. God didn't just save us to get us to heaven. He didn't just save us to bring us back into relationship with himself, but he also saved us to restore the the partnership and to bring us back to his original design. Too many Christians are content to receive Christ and then simply bob along through life with with a future hope, little purpose. I'm I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I've got my insurance policy. So there's no need to take ground and to represent or to have any kind of excellence in my life now. And before long... My life looks very similar to those around me. But I'm not supposed to look like them. I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. I don't separate myself from them, but I'm separated in my lifestyle. When we realize the privilege of our identity in Christ and the power of co-laboring with God, our purpose is not a mystery anymore. It's a simple mandate to advance his kingdom. Lord, may your kingdom come into my family, into my workplace, into the city, on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. With this revelation, we as Christians have the most amazing advantage in the workplace. And this hope is so attractive to those we work with and the clients we serve. Why? Because the peace that's in you is beautiful. God created us in such a way that only he can satisfy us And when we know our position, identity, we shine naturally, purpose. And if we are truly satisfied in him, excellence is sustainable. Money is not enough to sustain excellence, but the Christian begins to live out Colossians 3.17, which says, whatever you do, be it in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. I've been in Christ for, in the kingdom, 
in him for 20 years this year, I just realized. Uh, I got saved at 16 years old at a Christian boarding school in South Africa. And when I look back on my life, I'm just so amazed by all he has done, his faithfulness, despite me. And over the years, I've worked some mundane jobs, but my best times have been when I've lived like a king while doing a servant's work. Because we're royalty in Christ. And it doesn't matter what we do to earn a living, but it's our position in him and knowing who we really are in him that really counts. John 1.16 says, because of all that the Son is, we have received one blessing after another. So I have to know my position in him and then strive for excellence in what I do. But I'm in Christ, so it's not striving anyway. Mark Twain uh, was asked once to give a reason for his success in life. And he said, I was born excited. I love this quote, but it's not true. I was born the same way that each one of my three kids were born, messy, crying, and needy. But I was reborn excited. From my short time in business, I know that attitude, enthusiasm, and optimism can make up for a lot of deficiencies in skill and ability. I want to instill optimism in my kids. So I get back from work the other day, and Ryan, my three-year-old, says, Daddy, did you have a great day today? It's working. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Um, my day was great. How about yours? Uh, mine was great too, Dad. You see, Ryan is three, but he has two ears. And he listens to his dad watering his garden. I speak life over my business and into my business all the time. So Ryan knows that I love my work. But it's not my work that I love. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that I love. And because of that, I can love myself. I can love my life. I can love my wife. I can love everyone who comes into contact with me. Now, there are good days and bad days, but the consistent river of my life is God is good and his love endures forever. So you might be thinking, that's easy for you to say. You haven't met my boss, and uh, my life didn't turn out that way, and I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Well, let's see what Jesus says. I want to read to you from Matthew 5. Um, I'm going to read it from the message because it puts it so well. But this is Jesus' words. He says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. It doesn't say when you find your rope or when you get your rope back. It's when we come to the end of ourselves. But the world, the world ain't doing it for me. My job ain't defining me. My definition is found in him. You bless when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Maybe you've lost something recently that meant everything to you. And maybe you're even angry at God. Well, I want to start by telling you it's, it wasn't him. God didn't do it. Remember Bart Simpson? I didn't do it. No one saw me do it. You can't prove anything. Well, God is not Bart Simpson. Maybe it's you, maybe it's the devil, but it doesn't matter. Jesus is saying, let me embrace you. Let me heal you. Let me bless you so that you can be a blessing. Skipping down, Jesus says, tell me, let, let me tell you why you are here. How many of you would like to hear those words over your life? This is how the message puts it. 
You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? This is awesome. There are God flavors all around us. That person sitting in the cubicle next to you needs you to bring your saltiness in so that the God flavors can come out in them. Quick testimony. I was here in Chicago in 2002, and then I ended up back in South Africa in 2004, and I started working as an industrial real estate broker, same thing that I do here. And another young guy started working at the company, and he and I started uh, working together. But before long, I realized that this guy was really negative, always complaining um, about the crime, uh, the politics, the job, the weather. And slowly but surely, I started to weave um, my faith into conversations. And I never saw any change in him. I never got to invite him to church or anything. Um, And then after a year, through a miraculous set of circumstances, I came back to Chicago to to take a job. And then a year after that, I received an email from this guy. He got saved, and a long email uh, talking about all, all that God had done and was doing in his life, in his work, in his marriage. His wife was pregnant. And I was so encouraged, but it made me realize, salt, salt. The message says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept, We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. You see this, it's light, identity, now shine, purpose. If I was, I wanted to bring in a a light bulb, but if I was holding a light bulb as tightly as I could and willing it to come on, would it shine? No. No. Uh, Why are these lights shining? Because they plugged into the source. Uh, It's the vine and the branches. So if I brought a branch up here and uh, put it on the stage, would it bear fruit? No. Uh, But when when the branch is connected to the vine, it just bears fruit naturally. It doesn't need to do anything. The fruit just comes. A few practical points about how we can be fruitful in our workplace. Now, these are just as much for me as they are for you. I've got a few guys that work with me, so I can't hide under a bucket. Um, Firstly, love unconditionally. When last did you love someone in the workplace, uh, despite sexual orientation, despite political affiliation, or whether you could get something from them? This is something we can all do, uh, because the love of Christ is in us. Secondly, be present and proactive. This is a tough one for me. Because when I get to work, I just I become a workhorse, and the the blinders come up, because that's my strength. I I try and outwork the competition. That's what you have to do when you're not as smart as your competition. So you can miss opportunity that way. Um, but at my old company, one of the owners' wives got diagnosed with cancer, and she started going to chemo, and it wasn't going well. And I felt God stir something in my heart to be proactive. And I didn't know this guy, but I took a deep breath, and I called him up, and I said, Hey, Witt, it's Mark Nelson. I heard about your wife, and I'm really sorry to hear it. Uh, But I belong to a church, and we've been praying for sick people, and I've seen them healed in Jesus' name. And back when I was in South Africa, I prayed for a young man who was terminally ill, 
and he got miraculously healed. And I would love to come up to your house and just bless your family and pray over your wife. Would that be okay? And he said, absolutely, come. So me and three guys from this church, we headed to the northern suburbs. Uh, We got to pray over this family. Uh, Their two uh, young boys came into the living room. Uh, We prayed for this lady that she would be healed. Shortly after that, she went into remission. And five years later, she's still completely healed of cancer. Let's be available for people. It's 1 Peter, which says, be ready to give them an an answer for the reason uh, for your hope. Be ready. I don't want people to feel that I'm above them or beyond them. I want to be here, I want to be real, and I want to be ready. Thirdly, don't get introspective. This is a big one. Introspection is to look inward at your situation, your condition, everything that you don't have or need in your life. This leads to anxiety, self-pity, and pride, because I'm going to go at it on my own. Steve actually addressed a lot of this last week, so if you weren't here, you can go back and catch that. The opposite to introspection is to have a God perspective. It's to have a God consciousness. All that you have in Him, your position in the kingdom, all that, uh, that He can do in and through you as you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. James preached so well about a month ago on David and Goliath and David arriving to the battlefield and his paradigm. Most saw the giants. David saw how big his God was. In the work uh, context, uh, the Great Recession hits, the world shrinks back in fear, the sons of God rise up to take opportunity, and how much brighter is our light then? And then the last one, Jesus says here in the message, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Be generous with your lives. This is powerful in a, in a busy city like this. Your generosity will prompt people to open up with God. To jump back uh, to that Jesus' word, blessed, in the Greek means makarios, and that means happy. It's amazing that Jesus says when you're at, at your, the end of yourself or when you've lost something most, that you thought was most dear to you, you're most happy. The Hebrew word um, for the word blessed is the word hasid, uh, which we see elsewhere in the Bible. And I heard Rob Rufus define this word as four things. I want to read them to you. Uh, firstly, given power to succeed in your career, in your marriage, in everything. To be blessed is to be given power to succeed. To be envied in a positive way. People say, wow, look at the church. God dispensing goods and favors to you in abundance. Goodwill, special likings, and special favors in your life. Supernatural ability to become an instrument in the hands of God from which his divine favor flows through you and into the lives of others. And lastly, supernatural ability, ability to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. So when we choose to co-labor with God, we step into his blessing as a partner with him. And we can draw from him and release that. So who wouldn't want to co-labor with him? I think I have time for two quick stories. Um, They're biblical stories. We know them well. I just want to tell them in the context of the workplace. And then also being salt and light there. 
Uh, the first is Peter and John in Acts 3. Uh, they were on their way to the temple, uh, going the normal route. Uh, this was a, a, a regular thing in their lives, but that day was different. The anointing was on them. The same man that got ushered out all the time to the gate beautiful was there, but Peter had eyes to see. And I felt in business, as we walk in the anointing, God gives us eyes to see opportunity that I know I would have missed or others do miss, and we can step into that. And so Peter saw him. He asked. He was begging. And Peter said, "Um, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of uh, the Lord Jesus, stand. And there are people in the workplace that put pressure on us to give them what we don't have, but what they want is not what they need, and what they need we do have. So just to have a, be open and to know the resources that you have from heaven, and when that door opens, you can, you can give it. And that goes along with being a light and salt. The second one is uh, Philip, uh, Philip uh, and the Ethiopian uh, in Acts 8. So Philip, a uh, faithful and obedient man, he was waiting on God for direction, um, he, he was told clearly to go down the desert road. Um, how many of you would like to end up, you wait on God and you end up in the desert? All around you, there's no fruit, just sand. Well, Philip uh, was obedient and uh, he persevered. And when he was walking the desert road, um, God brought him up alongside uh, an Ethiopian eunuch. Not just any man, this man was a man of influence. Uh, he was the finance minister to the queen of Ethiopia. God used Philip to open up the scriptures. Uh, Immediately the man uh, came to Christ and then quickly after that uh, got baptized. So what I felt here for us is that thing of on waiting on God, but also some of us will go down um, work paths that are just short-term assignments. And I've had many of these as I've uh, walked out this faith, and a lot of times it's been God just working on my character and preparing me. But in every case, if we are yielded to the Holy Spirit, we can see miraculous things happen. And God can bring us, just ordinary men and women, uh, into the presence of of men of influence. And I bet that Ethiopian went back to open the nation of Africa because he was now a son of, of God. That's it. That's what I've got. Um... You know, uh, there's a, there's, I just, I love this so much because there's a striking simplicity of what the Lord is doing right now, I feel like. And I think we just need to admit that to one another. The, I, the Lord is, I think, through what, what Mark has shared, demystifying a, a lot of things about what it means to simply walk in faith, simply, simply waiting on the Lord turning our ear to him, listening to him, saying yes, having a hope and a fresh revelation. Um, I shared this morning as Mark and I were talking about the story of Gideon, what, not my son, but the actual biblical man, Gideon, um, who, who the, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him, Gideon was not in favorable circumstances. He was, he was doing his father's work hidden away from the, from the nation that was occupying Israel at the time so that, so that they wouldn't come and steal his harvest. And in that context, the, Lord, the angel of the Lord speaks to him, and the first words out of his mouth are, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, me? Hmm. You know, and I feel like 
for some of us in our workplaces, um, not me because I have a cushy job, right? Uh-huh. But for some of us in, in our workplaces, we kind of feel like Gideon. We're hidden away. We're hunkered mm-hmm. down. Um, we're, we, we are under assault. And I just feel like the Lord is demystifying the turning of that if that makes sense, because we, we walk in hopelessness of how can that be turned around? You don't know my situation. You don't know what I deal with. And I, I, I hear very clearly from Mark, the Lord says, no, I actually, not only do I know, but I've actually purposed you. And I think there's a fresh revelation of that to come uh, and, a, and an excitement and a simplicity to that, that it's not calculus, that actually the Lord has a clear purpose for us to wait on him for. And that gives me hope and that activates faith. So simply what I want to do right now, and, I, and, and Mark, I'd like for you to, to pray for us, is if, if that describes any or all of your experience with your occupation, an occupation you're trusting for, your workplace experience, provision, any of that, I, I just want to encourage you, let's just stand and, and take a posture yeah. of receiving. I, Mark, I'd like for you to pray for us, mm. um, just that the Lord would activate faith in that way. Yeah. So yeah, so if that, if that is you, yeah, take... Just stand and, and Mark, if you can pray for us. Can I ask everyone to stand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll use this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's got his own mic. Um, I'm just going to ask everyone to stand um, because I, I was feeling for this as well uh, that each of us is a light. That's who you are, your identity, and our purpose is to shine. Now, you might be a stay at home mum and this has gone over your head, but you are included in this because your garden is the next generation. And those are the, that's who you're raising up. That's, that's part of your purpose in him. Um, real quick, just in my preparation, I felt um, just that thing uh, where Adam sinned in the garden and right away went and hid from God. God knew where he was, but God came and said, where are you, Adam? And uh, we can learn a lot in this um, short story on who God is, because God hasn't changed, but Adam We've changed. We are now in Christ. Adam's response is what we shouldn't do, which Adam didn't take ownership. He said it was the woman's fault, and he tried to put the blame on someone else. And I feel like there's breakthrough this morning when we just take ownership for our situation. We put what we've done wrong in the past behind us. It doesn't own us. Jesus owns us, and our destiny and future is in him. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the incredible privilege of partnering with you. We want to we run forward with you, Lord. And so we just, we just bring what we have, we bring where we are before you, and we just invite you in, and we just ask for fruitfulness. Uh, where, where there has been darkness, we pray, let us bring your light. Let us shine for you. Let us represent. Let us be strong. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you've positioned us in the city, just as everyone stands where all of us have a sphere of influence, uh, where all of us will go tomorrow across the city. I thank you that you want to reach every part of the city, and you are, you are raising men and women up to have positions uh, that are both humble and great, but our purpose is the same. We are yielded. We are positioned. Our, our title is the same in you. We are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, and we celebrate that, and we cry out for more in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, Mark. Thanks so much for sharing. You know, I, I just feel like the Lord has a quick word of, of instruction for us, and I want to be cautious with this, but, um, you know, we all know how Sunday mornings can work, and it's, we feel like high-fiving each other right now, 
and then we're going to walk out those doors, and tomorrow morning you're going to walk into your job, and it's all going to flood back. And so can I just encourage us as a body to take some time uh, as we go through the rest of our day, find moments to go before the Lord with this, and ask the Lord the difficult questions. Ask the Lord, Lord, I hear you, but I want wisdom in working this out practically. I want open eyes to work this out practically. We have that opportunity in the rest of today. So can I just encourage you to do that so that we then hit our workplaces with open eyes, with an open heart, an ear that's turned to the Lord. And let's not let this, what we, what we get our faith stirred for today, fall as we, as we roll out of bed tomorrow morning to, to go to work. It's good? Thanks so much for coming today, and uh, if you are trusting for anything we can pray for you for, please, we're going to have a team of people right up here who would love to, uh, to pray for you and stand with you. Have an awesome rest of your day, and we'll see you uh, next week, Sunday. Take care. Thanks.